The Gospel according to Luke in the Book of Acts. When the day of Pentecost had come, the apostles were all gathered in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya, according to Cyrene, the visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea, all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No. This is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the day, Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, I was thinking we need a little, um, I don't know if the slick pickers can play any fallout boy, but you know, light them up, 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 light them up, I'm on fire. Okay, I probably shouldn't sing today. <laughs> because uh, apparently also waking up at four in the morning and not being able to go back to sleep helps you uh, not be able to dress yourself for worship, but also probably not to sing. <laughs> well, perhaps one of the important insights as we get into this sermon for the day, and I want to remind our kids again at home and here that our word for the day is spirit. But perhaps one of the most important insights in this story that I've kind of come to recently in this birthday of the church story is that it is a miracle story. And although, I'd, again, I'd never really thought of it this way, 
It is a story on par with the season of Advent where the angel visits Mary and brings her good news of great joy. And on par with Christmas when the heavens are rendered, when they're opened and the angels come down and announce to the shepherds the good news and call them to be the first witnesses to God's real presence in the world. Maybe one way to say it is that this story has all the feels of a miracle story. And in some ways, actually returning to the Christmas story that we know so well in Luke is really appropriate for today. Because that is the beginning for Luke. It's in the second chapter. But basically the beginning for Luke in telling the good news of Jesus. And today, in Acts, we begin, again in the second chapter, but basically begin Luke's telling of the good news of how Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection affected the lives of his followers and how that message spread throughout the world. That impact on all the peoples of the earth, the various languages from today. And so I'm compelled really today to start out by inviting you into this story, inviting you to read it again this day, this week, even to memorize it. If you memorize all the Phrygia, Pamphylia, all that kind of stuff, that's extra points, right? But, but really dig into it. Read commentary about it. I would invite you especially to find where maybe somebody is reading this story dramatically and just listen to it. Let it wash over you. Experience this story in all your senses until it becomes as familiar to you as the Christmas story, as that miracle story, until it becomes part of your native language. Because it's a big deal today. But why? Why else? Well, there's another piece of the story I had not really seen before this week that I think is really profound. And I think it's even perhaps makes this miracle story kind of unique among miracle stories. Wow, I have two insights. Maybe the Spirit still speaks today. Maybe this just isn't history. Even for pastors, the Spirit even speaks to them. Wow. That was supposed to be funny. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I bet, I bet if you are someone who pays attention to art, and you could see it in the artwork even up here today, that you've seen all kinds of depictions of Pentecost, including, again, this sort of tile work picture that I really like. I chose that for, for our, our kind of visual today. And if you counted as I did, you would count in that tile work, you would count 12 disciples, you would count 12 tongues of fire. And that's how the story goes. That's how we've seen it, again, depicted in artwork and and that kind of thing. But just one chapter before, if you flip the page of your Bible back one page, we are told that a full 120 followers of Jesus were gathered together, waiting for the Spirit to be poured out. I don't know how they all got in one upper room or in one house. I don't know how that happened, but it tells us there are 120 of them there waiting for the Spirit to come. But there they are, kind of just hidden away, waiting. And then, just like the stormy wind and the fire that showed God's presence to the people uh, from our stories that were, that were up there in artwork before, remember the stories that, that Julie Ennebo depicted with artwork? Just like those stories, so that wind and that fire shows up again. Now, It's not just for the 12. It's not just for the men. But for all of them, all 120. 
You know, so often I think we can marvel at a miracle story. We can look at it as some past event and sort of, you know, think, wow, that's amazing. Like looking at the Grand Canyon or looking at some, you know, beautiful piece of art or listening to something, you know, beautiful. We, we kind of experience it, but, but it's sort of other than us. It seems like something maybe even that God used to do but doesn't do anymore. Or some event we can just point to or, or kind of wonder about. But this miracle story, here's what I think is unique. Perhaps more than any other miracle story has a universal draw for all of God's people. It brings us into the story. There's evidence of this in just counting the languages for the people. If you were counting, if you were doing your math here, who are hearing the good news, and I'm not sure if my math is correct, but I count 15. And again, math's not my best subject, but I'm pretty sure 15 is a bigger number than 12. And there were probably more than one individual in each of those languages. And when Peter, at the end of this uh, reading today, preaches um, uh, the prophecy of Joel, kind of quotes from the book of Joel, and you could look that up in Joel, in Joel chapter 2, he speaks as if it is in their moment, fulfilled, that the prophecy has come to fulfillment. That there are those filled by the Spirit, young and old, men and women who are prophesying in that moment because these, Peter proclaims, are the last days that Joel prophesied. This is a monumental crossover in history, a history we are part of. Time for most of the world is marked by the coming of God into the world in Jesus Christ. Now, of course, that's the birth story, but it includes this this cataclysmic, you know, kind of explosion of the Spirit. Now, for us, for us who are gathered here today, not just for the pastors, not just for our council president over there or other leaders in the church, all of us are filled with the Holy Spirit. We are tellers of the good news. We are translators of God's good news and equipped to speak in languages We don't all share. And yes, there is that day at the end of this Joel quote that has not yet come when Christ will come again. But these are the last days. Days of urgency to speak the good news of Jesus Christ to a world in need. Now, I want to be clear here because sometimes we can trip on that word prophecy. I think we hear prophecy and we sort of get the picture like, you know, Somebody looking into a crystal ball and, oh, I see you will grow older and meet people and possibly relate to them. Wow, how do you know so much about me? You know, I, I don't know. Maybe some people do have that gift. I don't mean to make fun. But, but prophecy is not some kind of crystal ball uh, uh, fortune telling or future telling. But rather it is telling the truth about God. Sometimes even when it's hard. And being willing to stand both on that truth and to stand for that truth. And it involves also hearing that truth when it's spoken to us, being open by the Spirit. And friends, we have an amazing story to tell. The greatest story ever told, as they say, right? Now the title for my sermon today is the start of a familiar cheer that maybe all of us have said at one time or another We've chanted as a kind of challenge to the other side's fans, right? 
we got spirit, yes we do, we got spirit, how about you? And it sort of, you know, devolves into this sort of five-year-old argument kind of a thing. We got more. No, you don't. Yes, we do. We sound like five-year-olds at the end of it, but it's fun, and we do it at, at, at you know, football games or basketball games, whatever it might be. But in a real sense, the spirit that matters is the one that the players have on the field or on the court or on the pitch or in the pool or wherever they are competing. That's the spirit that really matters as far as the competition, doesn't it? But here's the thing. That's where we are. There are no fans here. There, there's nobody in the stands watching or consuming this. Our worship here today is unique in that we are not consumers of a product but we're participants in the story. We're players on the field. A story of promise. One that we carry. One that we're asked by God, called by God, to steward. You know, when we're, when we're celebrating Holy Communion, the Eucharist, we say it is our duty and delight, a joyful responsibility to carry this message. But not one done on our own. Not one done on our own, but because we are, not because we might be, but because we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now again, sometimes, of course, it's not just about speaking, right? Something I need to remember. (laughs) Sometimes it's about stopping speaking and opening our ears instead. Uh, Reverend Dr. H.F. Law, uh, uh, excuse me, er, yeah, Reverend Dr. Eric H.F. Law talks about the miracle of the tongue, of the speaking of the disciples, those who were powerless now speaking And the miracle also of the ear of those who were able to hear. You know, sometimes for us, and I bet you can think of a story for yourself, sometimes the Spirit fills someone else or works through an experience that we have to speak our language, to reach into us. Maybe trouble us in a way or comfort us in some way. To speak to us in a way we might hear. The miracle of the ear of hearing God's Spirit at work. Or maybe to open us to hear the good news of Jesus in a new way. Maybe it's been during a difficult time or, or, or a, you know, kind of a transition in life or just when we're developing um, as we grow older and have a mentor who comes to us and helps us. I'm probably a broken record on this, but our summer youth trips speak profoundly to us, usually because we are in situations that are very foreign to us. And yet the language of God transfers through. Now, honestly, sometimes it's a struggle to discern in those times between the voice of God and other voices, and we all struggle with that. There are so many voices that are constantly coming at us. It's a daily struggle when we're bombarded with all this information and all these different voices. And so it does take some effort and prayer to God to help us discern, to both speak what should we say and to hear What should we be listening to and even to do? Our calling is not to turtle up, and I know that's tempting, and we all do it at times, and sometimes it's necessary to take a rest, to take a break. But our calling as a whole is rather to look for ways to put ourselves in the Spirit's path. Just a a small example, although I think it's pretty cool. Yesterday we hosted a vaccination clinic. At the same time, in room four, Jessica Voigt was hosting a leadership retreat for some of our emerging young leaders. Now, this was an event that was put on by our synod, by this kind of area church leadership, by some some young people who were leading it. 
And there was a challenge in this virtual event, and most people were Zooming in from their individual rooms or homes and things like that, but we found a way to do it together, doing some stuff outside and doing some stuff in room four and spaced out and all that, and Jessica made it really awesome, made it really, really special. But there was a challenge during this virtual training event, this leadership training, for these young women to go and to speak to people. And it was clearly something that was going to take place in the future. But in the movement of the Spirit, they decided to go over to the clinic. I mean, that's where the people were. And to try out this simple act that they had been asked to do, that they had been called to do, of risking just a conversation, just a relationship, an opening of a door with someone new. And they did it vigorously. That training also, by the end of it, led to three of these five young women being called to serve on the Alive Board that was putting on that training. The Alive Board uh, stands for Associated Lutheran Youth in Various Endeavors. It's a group of youth leaders, high school leaders, serving the 88 Lutheran congregations in southwest Washington. That's a movement of the Spirit. It doesn't happen behind locked doors on a lazy Saturday, but putting ourselves out there, taking a risk, taking a chance. And I imagine, like our story today, that that Pentecost event of yesterday will awaken the Spirit, not just in those young people, but it will have an impact on our youth, and they will have an impact on this congregation. I can already tell you there's going to be a way they have an impact in the weeks coming up. You see, when the Spirit moves in our story today, the doors are blown off. They were blown off the private party of Jesus' followers, and it was something like the big bang of the church beginning to explode matter, the matter of God's word, what matters in this world, into the world. A massive movement, recorded in Acts, but still happening today. I'm thankful for the spirit-filled voices I have heard around the fire this past month or so, giving faith languages to experiences of death and resurrection in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of a worldwide kind of death and resurrection event. I've been humbled and sometimes unsettled and invigorated and moved and and even disquieted and, and much more by a variety of voices I have heard around racial issues in our nation, and they have been a variety of voices. I'm thankful for the companionship of colleagues in youth ministry who have helped me discern new ways of speaking to and hearing from our youth in ministry. I'm thankful for an incredible staff learning together ourselves, but also with other churches around the country, how to speak faithfully and how to move faithfully where the Spirit is leading in the midst of a hybrid church and other things that are going on. And the list goes on and on and on. Indeed, our list of languages this day is different from many of those that are dead languages that we hear of today. The language has changed, but the Spirit is still falling, and it is still firing, and it is still calling us, 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 all of us, to speak and to hear in these last days. Now, I ran across something, and we'll get this out to you this week, but I want to just read this. This is from Gloria Day Lutheran Church. And I love what they're doing this week between this Pentecost Sunday, the birthday of the church, and Holy Trinity Sunday next week. Pentecost Sunday, wear red wherever you may be. If you didn't today, it's okay. I don't have any more of these, but it's okay. On Sunday, tomorrow, 
besides this whole memory stuff that you're going to do here. But light a candle and pray for the work of the Holy Spirit in the world. Where's the world hurting? Where does it need to hear God's word? Pray for that and light a candle as a sign of that. Tuesday, thank someone for their work. If you're out and about, just thank someone. Stop. Thank them. Or thank someone who's been a faith mentor for you, who's spoken that word as you've heard it. Wednesday, greet people using a foreign language. All right? Now, if you don't know a foreign language, it might be kind of hard, but maybe you can speak an engineer speak or something like that. I don't know. Working at Boeing, I knew there were different languages there that I never quite learned. Thursday, go outside and feel the wind, or maybe this week, the rain, on your face as a reminder of the Holy Spirit at work in your life today or a reminder of your baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, whether it's windy or raining, one of those. All right, Friday, wear mismatched socks. You know, we're back to spirit day in high school. Wear mismatched socks. A reminder that we don't always understand how the Holy Spirit works, right? Sometimes it feels a little mismatched. Remind yourself of that. Saturday, do an act of kindness. And Sunday, be back here worshiping, giving thanks and praise to God the Creator, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit who has come to us again this day and filled us. Amen. We'll remind you this week what those are, okay? Don't worry. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.